Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex Podcast. As always, it is Drew here with Josh and Connor catching you up on all things Major League Soccer in this crazy world of soccer we are in. So thank you again so much for tuning in for another episode. We really appreciate it. And before we get into our fun-filled episode of MLS, CONCACAF Champions League, and everything in between, it has been a week since we've talked last. We have maybe some finals. I don't know what you guys had your week at all, actually. Um, So, Josh, I know you didn't have any Atlanta United home games to go to, but besides that, how was your week this past week? It was probably better than your guys'. No finals for me. So definitely, definitely not a thing I had to worry about. Uh, just another typical Josh week, if I'm being honest. More playing soccer, teaching music, doing rehearsals. Um, I did wake up this morning to a giant Charlie horse on my calf. I did that thing, you know, you like stretch out, and I extended my legs, and I could feel my muscle like fold itself, and. If if anyone was able to see me in that moment, you would have caught me like like wriggling around in pain, quickly jumping out of bed, <laughs> and, and like immediately stretching my leg. So that in and of itself was not not the best way to start my day. But but all things considered, yeah, it was a uh, it was a fine week for me. Pretty pretty standard, pretty run of the mill stuff. Uh, no, nothing crazy. Lots of lots of soccer watching as usual. Lots of uh, keeping up with the Braves and Hawks, who have done more good than bad this week. I think Braves pitcher Oscar Enoa is my new favorite player. Uh, he hit a home run last week, and to back it up, he hit a grand slam this week. So that's a pitcher who can rake. He's probably probably the second best pitcher that can hit behind Shohei Itani. So good for good for you know I, I'm I'm gonna probably gonna have to check in every time he starts a game uh going forward for the Braves this season. Uh Connor, how was your week this week? Uh well first of all I just want to say there's a very clear distinction between both of us because I wouldn't have gotten out of bed. I would have just lied back down and died. <laughs> uh so there's clearly a Massive difference between us, but uh, my week was pretty decent. Started spring school, which is one class, which seems like it's going to be pretty good. Uh, got our final grades, like officially in, which interesting. Uh, good year for good semester for me. Good year overall. So happy with that. Um, but yeah, other than that, paying attention to hockey because 
my boy Tom Wilson from went to my high school. Uh, he's been doing some stuff. Yes, he did go to my high school, Josh, uh, and my elementary school. Actually, grew up in my area, uh, so I have a soft spot for him. But he definitely should have been suspended for literally breaking our Temi Panarin. But we won't get into that because I could go on for hours, and I'll do that tomorrow instead. Um, what else happened? Uh, Leafs are winning right now, which is always a good thing. And Raptors are winning against the Wizards, which sucks. But besides that fact and the fact that Toronto sports continue to not do very well and we'll ignore all of the Champions League stuff until we talk about it right off the hop, pretty much. Decent week. Decent week. A lot of EA Sports FIFA. I will admit that. A lot of EA Sports FIFA. Which Drew, after I rambled on for an endless amount of time that nobody wanted to hear... How has your week been? Because it sounds like you're still in finals. I am kind of still in finals. I just wrapped up one class today. I had to go present a PowerPoint about social media. It wasn't that big of a deal. It was chill. We got donuts out of it, so it was a pretty solid final presentation. I have this local Athens place called Nedzda's. Not Zombie? Zombie's really good, but Nedzda's is like... Zombies is phenomenal. So shout out to Nezdas and Zombie for sponsoring today's podcast. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, but no, yeah, we had donuts. Um, I'm wrapped up with four of my five classes. I have a final mon- Wednesday? Wednesday, yeah, the 12th. Yep. So hopefully knock that out. I'm in the process of moving to Tennessee, so that's a fun exploration that sucks but that should be exciting currently someone's doing donuts in my parking lot so that's always cool um hopefully hopefully you don't hear that but um yeah besides that it's been a good week um the hawks kind of got everyone's attention yesterday with smack and the suns the braves have kind of just been meh starting it off and i've been playing a lot of madden i'm really bad at it but i'm getting there so that's a lot of fun um yeah it's been a cool week almost done with school um but yes and speaking of advertisements uh this episode of the mls multiplex podcast is brought to you by manscaped who just announced and launched their lawnmower 4.0 we talked about the lawnmower 3.0 a couple episodes ago and they have just continued to grind and release the lawnmower 4.0 uh we're one of the First people to try it and blown away by the performance. It just improves on the 3.0. It's waterproof. It's awesome. Um, and you can, we can have a special exclusive offer for listeners. Uh, you get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDE20 at manscaped.com. Again, that is FANSIDE20 at manscaped.com. Um, these guys have awesome technology. The 3.0 is phenomenal and they're just continuing it with the 4.0. And highly encourage you guys to give that again one last time exclusive offer. Fanside of twenty at manscaped.com for free shipping and twenty percent off. So, like we always do, we had some North American abroad action. Um, we had some big, we had some big names this week, fellas, with some UCL semifinal action, some not so big games, but still North Americans tore it up. We got some pronunciations we're gonna botch, but we're gonna we're gonna go right on through. Going to start off with probably the biggest. Christian Pulisic got an assist in the UCL semifinal second leg versus Real Madrid. Uh, they are through to the UCL final where they were take on Manchester City. 
home of Zach Steffen. So an American will win the UEFA Champions League this year after Alfonso Davies won it last year. We're going to have an American win it this year. And I was going to say, it's about time you guys get there. (laughs) 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 And speaking of North Americans winning trophies, we totally forgot to mention this, which I don't know why Josh didn't mention it because he beat Tottenham to do it. So Zach Steffen winning the Carabao Cup last week with Manchester City beating Tottenham in the final. Uh, I didn't know about that until I saw the Twitter account that is dedicated to like how many days since Tottenham has won a trophy. And when they lost the game, like, that daily tweet just blew up. So Zach Steffen winning Carabao Cup. So we didn't mention it last week, but he gets a shout-out. Again, defeating Tottenham, which Josh supports um, against. Do you know what Tottenham's expected goals was in that game, by the way? No. Point zero four. Point zero four in a cup final. And Man City's was, like, 2.5. And like Spurs were lucky Man City only won one nil. Like, thank God for Hugo Lloris because I I, uh, I don't want to talk about it anymore. You have you have not had a good week or last couple weeks as a Tottenham supporter. He hasn't had a last lifetime as a Tottenham supporter. (laughs) I'm lucky. I've only been following and supporting the team for like four years now and i did get a taste of the ucl final but whatever whatever yeah i don't know why all your european teams suck because we we haven't even mentioned schalke in a while but yeah that's it's fine they'll they'll be back baby they'll be back one day it's fine they just got relegated that i don't think that's fine but okay which how is matthew hapapa doing anyone seen anything from him that's how bad schalke are uh, feel bad for the guy. He's got to get out of there at some point. But Drew, I'll let you continue after hijacking the North Americans Abroad segment. <laughs> We're going to stick in Germany here. We had Gio Reyna starting for Dortmund, and he scored a brace in 24 minutes in Dortmund's 5-0 win in the German Cup semifinal over Holsten Kiel, and he will face Tyler Adams and RB Leipzig in the final, I think. Yeah, because they just won the semifinals. So Tyler Adams and Gio Reyna will play in the German Cup final. So that's awesome. And another... I was just wondering, what division is Holsten Steel I think they're, in? I think they're third division. That's they, a miracle like, run. Holy cow, making the semifinal? I'll double check right now. They might be uh, second division. But yeah, I mean, obviously, small club. No surprise that Dortmund went up like 5 nothing in like the first half. Hey, they held them to 5 nothing. I think that's an impressive in and of itself, if we're being completely honest. Like, Dortmund should be winning that game by a whole lot more, all things considered. That's true. I think Erling Holland was not playing. I watched the highlights, and after Gio scored the first goal, Holland was just freaking out on the bench. But nonetheless, Gio Reyna and Tyler Adams will play in the German Cup final. Their second they're division? Sec- their second division. Second still. division. Still, that's pretty a miracle run given all the dominance in Germany. Um, another final, uh, Brennan Aronson scored for LB Salzburg in their Austrian Cup final, won the game. So another American winning trophies. He has a playoff on Sunday, which I meant to ask you guys, do you, do you know the significance of this playoff? Because they're not fighting relegation or anything. They're trying to get promoted. I just saw the word playoff, and I thought that has to be important. Connor, so he plays in that on that? Sunday. 
What did I put in? I put nothing in the doc. Wait, I, I put in the together. I put in the playoff. I don't know what the playoff means. It just says playoff, and I thought that has to be significant. Where Where did you see that from? On the uh, Google, when you Google RB Salzburg. Huh. Let's pull this I up. So that. they have two playoff games scheduled. Does the Austrian Bundesliga do playoffs? If they have a playoff, I assume they do. They do uh, something with the playoffs. Maybe it's for like Champions League qualification. You know, that that's, might be. I thought it was only MLS in Belgium and Liga MX. Oh, they do playoffs. Okay, interesting. Didn't know that. Learned something new today. Mid podcast. So yes, Brendan Aronson, <laughs> busy, busy, dying for him, winning cup finals and playing playoffs, which we just learned they have playoffs. So busy day for North Americans abroad, but guys. Out of all of this, I guess, Josh, we'll start with you since we ragged you on Tottenham so hard. You get first dibs. What <laughs> is sticking out to you? We only got three moments in North Americans abroad, but what stick out to you out of this week? Probably Christian Pulisic. Um, the assist was pretty good. He was very lively. He came on as a basically a super sub to kind of help Chelsea kill off the game, which, by the way, Chelsea should have had like six goals in this game. Their lack of finishing is incredible in all the worst ways uh so it's almost like tammy abraham and olivier Giroud aren't your answer at striker and timo werner sucks for some reason to say neither of those guys played it's timo werner kai havertz hit the hit the post and crossbar timo werner got a banger goal josh i don't know what you're talking about don't even i saw that goal and i was honestly i kind of wish he'd missed it so listeners in case you missed uh timo werner's goal he headed in a goal from like literally like four inches from the goal line. Uh, it was off a, it was like off a rebound or a post. I think it was from Havertz um, hitting the hitting the post. So it would have been incredible and hilarious. I think I tweeted out it would have been hilarious if Werner somehow managed to to miss that chance. But yeah, so so Pulisic coming on, he honestly had a huge effect on the game. Uh, very fresh legs to help kill off Real Madrid, who just looked just horrible the whole game. So really, really exciting. I hope I hope he starts in the UCL final. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't at this point. I could definitely see Thomas Tuchel wanting him to be available off the bench in sort of a late game scenario. Either way, it's going to be a really, really interesting final between Man City and Chelsea, I think. But yeah, Christian Pulisic, man, he just, he continues to step it up on this big stage. Hopefully that translates over into World Cup qualifying and maybe, maybe, hopefully, fingers crossed, the World Cup next year. That would be really nice. I hope I'm not asking too much of the soccer gods for that, for America. Uh, Connor, any of this uh, stick out to you this week? I'm going to go with Brandon Aronson, but not for the reason that is in the dock. I will go with Brendan Aronson because he continue he's continuing to succeed under Jesse Marsh, who is joining RB Leipzig. So I'm sort of wondering how long until Aronson ends up at RB Leipzig. And that's what I want to ask you guys. How long do you think it takes until Brendan Aronson is an RB Leipzig player? I'm going to take a massive shot in the dark. And I'll say by the end of next season. No justification guess. for that whatsoever, but that's what I'm going with. <laughs> fair, fair. Josh, what about you? 
Part of me thinks it's possible this offseason, only because he's done so well under Marsh. And with Marsh going to Leipzig, I could definitely see him like trying to bring Aronson with him. The only reason why I don't think that's going to happen is because we haven't seen any rumors in the slightest about that happening. And obviously, Aronson just got there at the beginning of this year. He's really only been there for like four or five months. So I, I think it would be unlikely if it were to happen this offseason, although I definitely wouldn't rule it out. Also, maybe he goes in the winter window in January of next year. Maybe it, it's not at the end of the season. That would be really fun because then both him and Caden Clark would be going to Leipzig at the same time. And we would have three American players under an American coach. And all of a sudden it'd be, instead of full America, it'd be like Leipzig America or something. So I could definitely see that happening. We really need to work on the name because Leipzig of America doesn't quite flow like full America. <laughs> um, but yeah, shout out Brandon Aronson who's continuing to kill it in uh, the Austrian Bundesliga after I think some people were a little skeptical of his move to so soon to a club like RB Salzburg uh, and going in there right off the bat and really killing it. So shout out Brandon Aronson, but Drew finished this off finish off the North Americans abroad what is your North American abroad you get two to pick from I get two. Oh yes I guess I do well we kind of talked about Christian Pulisic and Zach Seven playing each other but that's cool but I'm gonna go with Gio scoring two goals for Dortmund um yeah scored two goals he's in the final maybe we'll definitely have an American winning the German Cup final um I don't know when the last time Dortmund won it or whatever the history is on that. But maybe Dorman actually wins a trophy because that would be cool. But, yeah, that's all I have. Uh, I'm going to go Giorena starting and scoring two goals for Dortmund really fast, too, in 24 minutes. I don't know if we mentioned that. But two goals in less than 30 minutes, always really big. So good to see Giorena getting in on that action. But moving away from Europe and coming back here to the States, the season has started, obviously, so a little – Transfer signings have slowed down a little bit, but still there's some action. We're going to start with RSL. RSL is getting prime time MLS multiplex podcast time. This is a wild <laughs> world we're living in, fellas. But RSL, and we'll talk more about them. Um, but reports are saying that RSL is, has signed Jonathan Menendez from Independiente in Argentina. Uh, I think there was a journalist in Argentina that said that. I am totally ghosting on his name, but I saw the report from... RSL Soapbox, I think, their SB Nation website. Um, so, yeah, RSL making moves after a really solid start to the season. Um, and Toronto FC officially announced Soteldo after that was, I think, last time we talked about it, it was official. It was official, but it wasn't announced. Uh, announced, yeah. Like, we knew he was there, uh, which had to do with quarantine and stuff like that because I don't think he was able to do his physical until like a couple days ago sort of thing because he had to be in quarantine for MLS stuff but yes that he was finally announced they had the press conference today with Ali Curtis Brendan Manning uh Chris Armas and Soteldo uh so that happened today and he had his first training session today as well which will likely mean that he the Chris Armas said he would be available this weekend so we'll see whether or not he makes an appearance. But let's talk about Jonathan Menen uh, Menendez a little bit because I don't really know who this guy is. I don't really follow South American soccer very closely. Josh, you tend to do this more than 
Drew and I do. So tell us a bit about Jonathan Menendez and what RSL can expect from his signing. Well, I also don't know too much about Menendez. I, I recognize his name. And yeah, he is from Independiente, which is where Ezekiel Barco and Alan Franco are from. So I guess in a sense, surprised that Atlanta United didn't didn't pick him up at this point. <laughs> um, but yeah, he is 27, and apparently, according to that RSL soapbox uh, report, it seems that this will be a TAM signing for about 1.3. I don't know if Drew already said that um, for about 1.3 million dollars. He'll be a left winger. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this would be a great signing for RSL. Pretty low risk, high reward possibility. And when you've got players like uh, Rubio Rubin already stepping up and um, you've got proven veterans like Justin Miram and you've got also Bobby Wood on the way soon, which he is supposed to join RSL after the birth of his child. He's still in Germany. Um, once his child is born and everything's okay with his family, he said then he'd head over. So he said he expected to be in the States in the next two to three weeks. So RSL are silently starting to put together some some quality pieces in the attack. So... I am looking forward to the summer when these signings are all together and we kind of get to see what RSL is made of, even more so than now, which isn't half bad. I still think RSL aren't very good, but hey, uh, I'm sure Menendez will help. He's, I think I just looked at his transfer market. He's 27, uh, so he's not very young, but he's still young. Primarily an attacker, as you mentioned. Uh, he's currently valued at $2.75 million. So yeah, point. Yeah, if it's 1.3 million, that's a steal, uh, which is just a sign of MLS being more financially comfortable and financially set than other South American leagues who can't necessarily afford these players. So big signing for them. Hopefully he helps out a lot. Drew, do you have any sort of thoughts on Menendez? Not really. I think, you know, looking at some stats from transfer market, he has two goals and three assists in nine games played this season so far in Argentina. Um, and yeah, I think it's gonna be really exciting. I think you bring up a good point with the whole transfer fee being 1.3, but he's valued at 2.75 and RSL kind of feels like people are just waiting for this experiment to implode given their good star and how everyone just picked them to finish dead last or next to last in the Western conference, which we'll see it's still early, but two wins in two games. So I'm excited about it. I think as the season goes on, like Josh mentioned, Bobby Wood joins, um, Players are stepping up. I think Anderson Julio, I think he's scored. He's been on a tear with RSL, but he's on loan. So maybe this might be a little more permanent situation for RSL's attack. But nonetheless, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, yeah, RSL making moves. And for a tame deal, that's really exciting. I'm not sure what their designated player situation is like. But RSL making moves. And Toronto FC, we mentioned Soteldo, but... I don't want to talk about this guy. I have bad memories of this next transfer player, Kamar Lawrence, um, reportedly joining Toronto from Anderlecht in Belgium. He played for the Rebels from 2016 to 2020. Not good times against Atlanta United. It's the only thing I know about this guy. I just remember that time when he cooked Tito Vialba and just yelled at him on the field. That's all I know about this guy. Connor, what do you think about Toronto possibly getting another left back? You excited about it, kind of neutral about it, or how you feel about Kamar Lawrence possibly joining Toronto? Well, first and foremost, it's a defender. So that's always a good thing when you look at this team. 
Uh, left back isn't exactly their strongest position. They were playing Alro on the left, which he can do, but it's not his primary position. Uh, Justin Amoro is continuing to age, uh, so while he's still good, it's they sort of need a replacement for him. But what I saw and what I saw some people speculating is Kamara Lawrence could potentially play center back for Toronto FC. Um, I know. I, he was a left back basically solely with um, Red Bulls, and I'm going to guess and assume with Anderlecht as well. But when Chris Mavinga came over, he was basically only a left back as well. So maybe they're hoping that Lawrence can turn into somebody like that. He doesn't count as an international because he has his green card, uh, thankfully. So no issues in terms of international slots for Toronto FC, but it's adding proven MLS depth, who I assume Chris Armas is sort of familiar with. I don't know if he was there when Lawrence was there. He was, okay. Good for you to speak up during an audio-based podcast. I'm just, of just trying to help you along so that you seem like you know what you're talking about, even though that is not the case. <laughs> you got to you got to be seem smart too. Um, but yeah, so oh, I they always did a, seem smart. That's a stretch, but okay. Um, <laughs> we'll see whether Roddy plays at left back uh, or whether he plays at center back. I've was speculating in our Slack chat about whether like what this sort of means for Richie Larea because he's been sort of linked to a couple moves abroad. A poor, uh, apparently Atiba Hutchinson and um, Kyle Lahren with Besiktas are pushing that cl- their club to pursue Lorea, which I think they've also done with, I want to say it's Baldissimo from Vancouver. Um, so potentially Besiktas becomes Canada Canadian national team light. Uh, but hey, it's good defender depth for Toronto FC, which they desperately need, and he's quick which they also desperately need because Omar Gonzalez moves like a 1940s tank. But I want to know what your guys' thoughts on these signings are. Obviously, you two aren't huge fans of Kamar Lawrence for past historical reasons, but what did you think about officially announcing Soteldo, and what do you think about Kamar Lawrence being brought in by TFC? Yeah, Soteldo... Uh, you know, being able to appear this weekend is really excited. I know, I th- I think I'll be able to watch that game. I need to see what time Toronto plays this week. 1 p.m.? Uh, I'll try to catch it if I can. <clears throat> and it's against Red Bulls, too. Look at that. Armas against his, his old team. So that should be a pretty spicy matchup. Um, yeah, I'll, I will say this. I'm really excited that Soteldo's number is 30 because I, I feel like a designated player wearing a number 30 is really rare. So I'm actually like kind of excited about that. It's kind of quirky. Uh, as for Kamar Lawrence, I mean, I think it's an excellent pickup by Toronto. He's going to fit into the pressing system immediately. It's all he did for Red Bulls when he tormented lots of teams, especially Lane United. You know, we like to joke about how Chris Armas blew it in the eastern conference final but i still to this day believe that the reason why atlanta won is because kamar lawrence wasn't on the field that's the only game in the in the ensuing leg that's the only time kamar lawrence missed a game against atlanta united and it just so happens to be the only time atlanta united managed to beat new york red bulls coincidence i don't think so because lawrence you know he made trouble for tito vialba he made trouble for julian gressel he made trouble for franco escobar i mean he just knew how to get under that those guys skin so yeah, I mean, 
what does make me sad is that both Viaba and Escobar are no longer in the league because it would have been fun to see Toronto, who Atlanta and Toronto games are already fun anyway because, you know, usually the teams are really good and that's always been like a, a pseudo rivalry. So it would have been nice to see Lawrence against those guys again, even though they're not with the team anymore. So that part of it's unfortunate. Yeah, I am. I'm right there with Josh. It's annoying, but it's really good. Toronto's just going to get better and better, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, it seems very, when you think about Chris Armas and Kamar Lawrence's relationship, it almost, I wonder if Armas had this kind of target on Lawrence for a while if this was something that he wanted to have done, bring Kamar Lawrence in because he dominated with Red Bulls, won that shield with them. Um, If Armas had his eye on Kamar Lawrence for a while and now finally he's getting the opportunity and is bringing him in. So I think Josh brings up a great point. They worked well in Red Bulls and I think they will work well again in Toronto. Um, But other news about Toronto FC, the Liam Frazier alone made official. I think we talked about that a little last week coming from Columbus so that's made official. So if you thought Toronto FC was already not getting on your nerves enough signing in new players, they just keep doing it. So Toronto FC making <laughs> signings. So that is exciting for Connor, maybe not for the rest of us, but nonetheless, TFC bringing in players. Another report that I am just now seeing, holy cow, I don't know who put this one in the dock, a report linking defender uh, Giorgio Cialini from Juve to MLS. He's 36 years old. Connor, you can't get onto him now. He said it that way like for the last year and a half. No, Giorgio Chiellini. Not Chiellini, Chiellini. (laughs) Also, yes, his Juventus is horrible. It's Juventus. I said Juve. (laughs) That's like the same thing. People know who I'm talking about. Okay. (laughs) I I will say, in all fairness, you're the only person I know who pronounces it with an H sound instead of a Y sound, like a Y sound. Love it? Who y- you, no, yeah, yeah, like you, oh, like Soldier nah. Boy, you, Juventus, Juve. <laughs> I like Juve. It's so chaotic. You guys, you guys don't like the Soldier Boy reference? Come on, that's like the best. That's way not in the podcast bingo. <laughs> Sorry, Josh, we're not all boomers here. Oh, I love Soldier Boy. Oh, I love Soldier Boy. I think he's from Atlanta. He has to get some respect on the podcast. <laughs> Oh, this has been so chaotic. I love this. This is great. But yes, there's a report out there linking Giorgio Chiellini to a few MLS teams, unnamed, obviously, because of course they're not named. Um, So we'll see whether or not that comes to fruition. Chiellini in MLS, an old Italian coming here wouldn't be a first. Paolo Maldini played for Montreal Impact at the time. So... Who knows? Maybe that happens again. Pirlo. Who needs a... Pirlo as well, although I was focusing mainland defenders. But, yeah, who knows? Just having a player of that caliber linked to MLS is always big news, even if he's, like, 35. 36. Literally 36. right there in the dock. Is it? I didn't read it. 36. <laughs> good, good. Glad we are taking advantage of that. Yeah, also, we're... I hope, oh, man. I I hope if he does come to the league, it's not if it's a DP signing, I will like I will be so furious at whichever team decides to do that. Although I I, I think MLS is past the point now of giving a really aging player a, a, a DP contract, but I think you're massively overrating Cincinnati. <laughs> this does scream Cincinnati DP signing. It you're does. not wrong. You're not wrong. They're the and only they need team. a defender too. Yeah. You don't say. So, hey, Cincinnati, if you're listening to this, 
You know, maybe you got your guy in a 36-year-old, soon to be out using a cane, Giorgio Chiellini. Uh, but let's shift, and even though I don't want to move on to this because it was not a fun, as fun a time as the transfers, let's talk Champions League. Um, I only saw the TFC game because I was just doing other stuff uh, during the other games, but uh, let's start off with the one that hurt you two the most and the one I assume you'll both rant about. Atlanta United facing off against Philadelphia Union. They lost. Atlanta, obviously, lost. Not very surprising. What do you guys think about the game? What did you think of Atlanta's performance? What did you think about the result in general? And how are you feeling out of the Champions League now? Yeah, I think first thing, so Atlanta tied Philadelphia 1-1 to after losing 3-0 in the first leg. So it fell 4-1 to to Philadelphia. Santiago Sosa is a baller. I think that is a must Consistent reference, he got the Atlanta's only goal. Um, I think it was his first ever professional goal. I think I saw that somewhere. It was a pretty good goal. So, so, so love him. That was good. Um, I think from a general, just looking at the result standpoint, a lot of this game, I think a lot of people just accepted the fact that Atlanta wasn't going to make this comeback. And I think that was fair. You're down 3-0 going to the defending Supporters' Shield champions. It's hard enough to get a result at all, so to beat them by three seems nearly impossible. But I think the bigger thing Atlanta fans were concerned about was that this would have been the third straight loss for the team after losing to the Revolution 2-1 in MLS and then losing 3-0 at home against Philadelphia. So this would have been the third straight loss. And I think some fans were concerned about that. Um, I think a general success from this game would have been just not losing to be honest with you so the fact that it was a draw I'm not too disappointed about um I thought the team played better on the lineup was very we're going for this I don't remember the exact who started but it was very Heinze wanted to win this he was given his best effort best 11 which I think we talked about a couple episodes ago when they were trailing 2-0. Heinze said, no, we're keeping our foot on the gas. We're trying to go and pull one back. Obviously, it didn't work out for him. But I think general thoughts on the game, it was just good to see him not lose three straight. Um, Sosa continues to be really good. And, yeah, I don't have a whole lot to think, of, think about it. Um, Jim Curtin made some really interesting comments, which I'm not going to get into about Josh. You, I'm going to let you rant about Jim Curtin comments because he's been in the limelight with his hoodie fashion and now his rants about Atlanta United. But before you rant about uh, Jim Curtin, what, do you have any takeaways from Atlanta getting a 1-1 draw at Philadelphia? Uh, not a whole lot to add, kind of what you said. You know, good, I think, for overall morale that Atlanta didn't lose a third straight. Um, the result was, was pretty expected. Honestly surprised that... Atlanta conceded. I figured they would stick to the brand of, of winning their second leg one nothing like they've done the last two years, so missed out on that prediction. Uh, and they looked fine. I mean, Philadelphia were a lot more dangerous in this game, I think, than the first leg. Overall, overall speaking, in terms of creating high percentage chances. But good for Atlanta, I guess, not to, to lose. Now, after the game, Jim Curtin's comments, this is where I, I had a lot of issues uh, more so than the game itself. Early season results are what they're going to be, especially for Heinze as he's still trying to coach this team and get them all on the same page. And you're dealing with injuries to Barco and Dam, who have been key 
players under Heinze so far earlier in the season. So that was a that was a huge thing. I just wanted to mention these quotes from Curtin. So there was a little bit of a discussion between Curtin and Heinze on the field after the game ended. And Jim Curtin had some things to say in his press conference. He said, and here's where here's some things that stuck out to me. He said, quote, he thought our players were diving and faking injuries. I get that, but I don't think that's what we're about. I think we're about doing our talking on the field, end quote. So that's Curtin talking about Heinze leveling some accusations about the diving. I am going to speak from an objective perspective here, all right? First leg, Philadelphia, yeah, there was a lot of injury faking. And I'm talking before they started scoring their goals, okay? It wasn't an issue in the second game, in my opinion. I didn't feel like any of the Philadelphia players, yeah, Sergio Santos was a little slow to get up with his cramp at the end of the game, but that happens. And, you know, we we don't know for sure what was said between Heinze and Curtin, but I don't feel like Heinze was calling out them wasting time. That happens with every team. And and Curtin even mentions, like, yeah, of course, you know, teams are going to waste time, especially when they're up. Like, that's pretty standard for soccer. I don't think anybody's saying otherwise. But... I, I don't know how you can watch what happened in the first game and 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 disagree with Heinze leveling accusations, right? So I took a little issue with that. What I really took issue with, though, is what Curtin said later on. He said, quote, I think there's great American coaches in the league. There's great foreign coaches in the league. And I don't want to make anything more of it than that. But, you know, it's something that, I don't know, maybe some things got lost in translation, but he was mad at me for Sergio, who was down on the ground after he cramped, coming out of the game too slowly. End quote. This kind of gathered some legs to the point where Curtin had some more things to say in today's press conference, where apparently some teams reached out, or some other people around the league, I should say, reached out to him and said, thanks for, thanks for speaking about that. I don't know where Curtin gets the disrespect to domestic coaches. I don't understand that whatsoever. I don't know why he would expect that from Heinze. I think Heinze was just saying, oh, like Philadelphia, you know, your players were bothering me with the fake injuries or whatever. I don't, I don't get how Curtin takes that as offense in terms of his coaching, especially when Curtin's a proven coach at this point. So I had a little bit of a problem with that. It was kind of weird to me that Curtin felt the need to point out that Heinze is a foreign coach and that Curtin doesn't get respect, blah, 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 blah. My biggest issue, though, was some media saying that Curtin outcoached Heinze. And I want you guys to help me out here. Connor, I know you didn't watch the games. Drew, I know you watched <laughs> the games. But I think you both can answer this. How did Curtin outcoach Heinze across these two legs? What did he do as a coach in these legs that outcoached Heinze. What did he do tactically to alter any of these games? Because I have an answer already in my mind about why Philadelphia was so successful, and I'm not sure it has anything to do with Curtin as a coach in the in this leg. I, Drew, you're probably the best person to answer this since you watched those games. But did you see anything that Curtin did tactically to to help Philadelphia? Did you see anything he did weird to set up the team to be successful against Heinze? I mean, you put Andre Blake in goal. That's about all I got for you in the first leg. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the first leg, Atlanta dominated. Like, that was... And then Heinze went for it, and it cost him. 
but watching that first leg, that was not a, or just both games in general, that was not a Kurt wins a chess match type thing at all. So my answer to that question is he has a really good guy in goal. Connor? Here's where I counter it, and I play the other side, because I think it's important to have a debate here so you can understand both points of view. I think what Jim Curtin is saying is, A, he didn't overreact like Gabriel Heinze did in the first leg. He didn't go all out defensively to try to just hold a lead. He continued to play, and he benefited off of that. He could have just said, all right, 11 guys in the box, park the bus, they're not getting anything. He didn't. He got three goals. And even though you may think that isn't a tactical, uh, I guess, he didn't tactically beat him, he kind of did in that way. And he was more calm, more cool, kept a, had a better game plan, I guess, set. And I think if you win the games, you've tactically outplayed the other manager because they're both pretty equal in terms of talent. You can't disagree with that. They're pretty equal in terms of talent. And Jim Curtin came out on top with a 4-1 to one, or yeah, 4-1 win over two legs. So while you can be upset about him claiming that domestic managers don't get as much respect, which there might be a bit of that, maybe not in MLS, but internationally, I could understand it. I think the way that you have to look at this is as though he doesn't feel he's getting the credit that he deserves for winning this leg. And people are trying to say that it was not his tactics that did it. It was Gabriel Heinze's mess up. Okay. So first of all, I agree with Curtin that MLS domestic coaches don't get enough respect in general. I, I totally agree with that. I feel like, you know, coaches like him and Bob Bradley and Bruce Arena, I mean, you could go down the list. I, I agree with him that they don't get that much, you know, they don't get enough respect. They're, they're good coaches. I mean, earlier this week, there was talk about Jim Curtin going to Salzburg. I would be all for that. I think he would excel as the coach at Salzburg. It's not happening because they did already hire someone else. But hey, maybe in a year or two, that topic comes up again. That would be great. I think he would do great in Europe as a, as a manager. My problem with the whole domestic versus foreign coach thing is... I don't know why Curtin felt the need to bring that up. No reporter brought that up. No one was throwing shade. I mean, this is like mostly Philadelphia-based reporters that are talking to Curtin. So it's not like any of them brought up, hey, you know, do you feel like Heinze, you know, out, you know, do you feel like he didn't get enough uh, credit for beating Heinze? Here is where I jump in and I say, nobody prompted it, but he was being linked to the Salzburg job. He lost that to a foreign coach, a non-MLS coach. Don't you think that would be sitting in the back of his head after putting on a borderline masterclass, beating one of the best managers in South America? Okay, he beat one of the best managers in South America, period. Yes? Okay, okay. I wouldn't... I don't know about that. At the end of the day, Heinze has not coached that long. He's only coached for about five or six years. So... It might be early to be calling him one of the best managers. Also, I want to go back to the Salzburg thing. That was like Matthew Doyle putting that out into the universe, hoping it would become true. There were no real reports or anything. So I don't know if that was something that was in the back of Curtin's mind. But I do want to go back to the whole tactic side of it. What is Philadelphia's main identity? Either of one of you can answer this. 
having very good strikers and scoring a lot of goals. No, no. From a tactics perspective, you can be a possession-based team, you can be a pressing team, you can be a counter-attacking team. What is their main identity? I think they're a team that just capitalizes on your play style. They don't have a certain play style set in stone. Man. They counter the other Yes, teams. they do. They press. They play a 4-4-2. Four, four, okay. Yeah, they play a 4-4-2 four, four, <laughs> pressing diamond. It's why they brought in Ernst Tanner. Anyway, my whole point is, you know, you mentioned, for example, in that first leg, they could have sat back and not played. And guess what? That's actually what they did. That's what they did for the first half. Honestly, because Atlanta had like 70% possession in the first half, which is insane. And But you know what? That's okay. Curtin is an excellent coach, and you know why? Because Philadelphia has a, uh, a pri- priority identity in that they press. They want to press other teams. They want to win the, the ball high up the field. It's, it's the whole Red Bulls way or whatever. They do have a second plan B identity and we saw it in the MLS's back tournament and that is they will absorb pressure and they will counter the crap out of you and that's exactly what they did to Atlanta in the first leg which good that's what they should have done they played the first leg masterfully and that's from Curtin that's from Curtin instilling an identity and coaching up his players and it's fantastic and I think it's great but for someone to say that he has outcoached Heinze blows my mind because these are things that Curtin has spent years developing with the Philadelphia Union. But that's the thing. No, no, wait a second. That's the thing. Gabriel Heinze should have created a plan for those two identities. No, and he didn't. Heinze, Heinze will never change his Exactly. Method. So you should be able to figure that out. But he, that's just how he is. And the whole like, you know, some people are like, oh, you know, Heinze should probably take his foot off the gas or, you know, but they, they, he won't do that. That's his whole thing. And Philadelphia, this is why I picked Philadelphia to win from the get-go. I knew this was going to happen. They're a better team. They have the chemistry. They've been around each other longer. And they have that experience and camaraderie to fall back on. Atlanta doesn't have that. Also, I will gladly make the argument that Philadelphia has much more talented players than Atlanta United. And the only proven addition so far that Atlanta has made since getting rid of their great championship-winning roster in the offseason between 2019 and 2020, is Santiago Sosa. We don't even know if Alan Franco's that good. Franco Ibarra hasn't proven anything yet. Jurgen Dam still sucks most of the time. So <laughs> that was another thing. That, that same media person who was saying that uh, Curtin outcoached Heinze was also saying that Atlanta was a much more talented team, and I could not disagree with that more than I do. Maybe if Joseph Martinez was fully fit and maybe if Barco actually played like the $15 million player that he's supposed to play like, I would easily agree that Atlanta is a much more talented team. But I just, it just really ruffled my feathers to see someone saying that he, he had a coach. I would say that Curtin is the better coach in this case and that he's successfully built a strong team and a team that will beat most teams. And I truly believe they can make it to the CCL final, and I think they can win CCL. Because by the time the next round of CCL rolls around, they're not going to be in preseason anymore. They're going to have a much better understanding of their team. Granted, you know, injuries could change all of this. You never know. But, yeah, I mean, I just, it just, it was a respected media member, too. I just couldn't believe he was saying something like that. I thought it was extremely amateurish to be throwing around these sort of, not unfounded claims, but it's it just like, 
I, you know what? I will say this. The, the person saying these things probably should have articulated their thoughts a little bit better. But to just generalize and simplify down to one sentence and say that Curtin outcoached Heinze, I think was the wrong way to approach it. But props to Philadelphia. They're an excellent team. Like I said, I really do believe they can win CCL. I honestly think that they're capable of it, you know, assuming they can stay healthy because you're going to need it against these stronger Mexican teams. But just crazy to me. Just just crazy. I, I am really excited for when Philly and Atlanta meet again. I think it's happening in June. End of June is when they see each other. So that's going to be hopefully really fun. I, I hope we see some more fireworks, but we should definitely move on from this so I can take a breather and I can cool down for a little bit. Connor, <laughs> I know so you, well, you, you calm down. You're expecting me to go off. Yeah. No, I mean, I, if I were you, I wouldn't really have much to say about this game, but you're right. You I know, don't. <laughs> Toronto and Cruz Azul did play a soccer game that did happen. Uh, and, uh, that, that's, that tie is over. So, you know, you know, fill us in, I guess on that. I have more to say about what happened after the game, which you two definitely didn't see or hear about. Uh, And I'm very excited to hear what your thoughts are on this. But yes, quickly, Cruz Azul beat Toronto FC. Uh, They didn't win one nothing. Did they win it? I thought it was worse than that. No, Cruz Azul had a a banger. Banger of a goal. It was kind of an accidental banger. Like chipped it over Alex Bono. Yeah, um, uh, we're not going to say that name on this podcast. Thank, thank you very much. Wait, you mean the Alex Bono who was in goal for the Toronto FC 2017 treble? Only MLS team to ever do that. And the same Alex Bono who helped Bono. Toronto FC. Bono. Alex Bono. Bono. Bono? Bono. Yes, Bono. Same thing. No, Whatever. not no, the same Bono, thing. No, Bono is the lead singer of U2. Alex yes. Bono is... No. <laughs> oh, my God. You're just going to trigger me. <laughs> anyway (laughs) yeah okay basically yeah alex bono should have been on his farther back on his line i understand he's supposed to press high a little bit but at some point you need to understand this guy could chip it over me pretty easily and then it happened so i don't know why ali curtis continues to play him because if you're going to play a pressing system you need a guy who can pass the ball and alex bono can't do that very, very clearly. That's been clear for about three years at this point. And meanwhile, he's got a borderline outfield player sitting on his bench in Quinton Westberg. So hopefully we see Westberg this weekend because I think he's much better than Bono. But it's... Uh, did I say Ali Curtis? I meant Chris Armas. Chris Armas, it's his team. I guess he's going to do what he wants. But yeah, it was a frustrating match. Toronto had a few chances. Iowa can all had a couple opportunities he just couldn't capitalize on. Um, Jacob Schaffelberg, energetic, but he still he made a few mistakes. It just overall wasn't a great game uh, from Toronto in general. Although I will say I thought Omar Gonzalez played pretty well. And having Chris Mavinga back, huge, huge boost in that first half. Um, but what I actually want to talk about, what Christian Jack said after the match. One of the players who didn't play in this match was Josie Altador. The rumors are he didn't play because he wasn't feeling well, potentially related to getting the second COVID vaccine, which I believe he got. What KJ then speculated after the match is he wonders if there's something more to this. You remember there were the transfer rumors. 
earlier in the winter thanks to was it the U.S. manager? I yes, think it was him. Ber- Berhalter mentioned yeah, it. Yeah, Berhalter. Um, he mentioned it. I don't think Josie Altador ever said anything on it. But as a player who gets injured a lot, doesn't quite cut it, but a lot, I wonder if Toronto FC and he agreed, okay, let's sit this game. We're probably not going to win. Maybe they're working on a transfer. And because I don't know how much they fa- he factors into their plans this season. Like an injury prone in his 30s striker who already didn't have a great work rate. I wonder how long he stays in a TFC uniform. And with what Christian Jack said after the match, I wonder if him sitting this game was related at all. He could have just been sick. Granted, he could have just been sick. He probably was just sick. But there is this added element to the game, which I don't think people pay enough attention to and could be one of the bigger bombs in MLS uh, this season if Josie leaves TFC. But what were your thoughts on the game, if either of you watched it? Uh, Or what do you think about this whole... Josie sitting out because he was sick, potentially related to this getting the second COVID vaccine. Yeah, I think I really forgot about the Josie outdoor transfer rumors. That seems like a blast from the past, but yes, that was a thing. Um, I think, you know, it may, I feel like we see a lot of times teams resting players in order to get a transfer done, whether it be for fitness purposes um, like you mentioned, Josie Outdoor gets hurt all the time. So the last thing you would want is to have a transfer in place, send him out there in a game. Like you said, you're probably not going to win. Doesn't mean a whole lot. Have him pull a hammy or something like that and transfer falls through. And now you just have this guy lying around, not doing a whole lot where you could have at least made some money off of him. So I'm not, if that is the case, again, this is a big, if COVID vaccine, People react to it different ways, second shots. Some people say they have big side effects. Some people say they don't. So that, again, that's all speculation. What I I think is kind of weird is having your teammate say something like that about you after a game. That seems very... Why teammate. would it? What? Not Christian Jackson has a teammate. What is no. his role in TFC? What is his position in He's Toronto? He's a reporter for... He was previously with TSN... They let him go in the last uh, layoffs, along with Dan O'Toole and a couple other hosts uh, and a ton of other staff. But he was the TSN sideline reporter. He was doing the Champions League games with one soccer for the last four TFC games. Okay. I'm not aware of my Canadian media members, but that's good because that seems like something someone in the media would say. Um I mean, I guess it's all speculation, right? Like, does he have any... I mean, soccer transfers are so weird, right? It's all a bunch of rumors. Um, that's true. I mean, if it is true, I don't see any problem with sitting him out. Um, if he does leave, like you said, he's not really doing a whole lot anyway. I think his best is behind him. Um, so I have a whole lot of problems with it. Again, it's big speculation because the second COVID shot, COVID's weird. This whole scene is different. People react to it in different ways. So maybe it really did tear him up and he needed to sit. And this game kind of seemed like 
there was no shot. I think someone put in the dock would we expect. I think all of us, maybe not including Connor, we weren't expecting Toronto to come through on this leg. So I wasn't um, either. I just always back the MLS team, even if I'm always wrong. You had a rough time, man. This is oh boy, weekend weeks like this are not good to you. But yeah, I'm not not a lot to say about it. I wouldn't. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for Toronto if he were to leave because, like we talked about a couple minutes ago, the team keeps signing players and getting better and better. So I don't think it's. I think he's on his way out. Whether or not it's this situation or whether it's a situation down the road, we don't know. But Josh, what do you think about? Josie leaving anything is it is it really that big of a deal for Toronto if Josie leaves? I don't think so. I think they'd be better off without Josie Altador at this point. To be honest, um, I because they're all professionals and because Josie's been around for so long, and I assume that you know he gets along great with his teammates. I don't think he's a distraction in the slightest. Uh, but at the same time, it feels like. It feels like these sort of rumors pop up like every couple of months. So as a as a neutral, I'm tired of hearing about it. It's like either get healthy and play, Josie, or just go away is how I is how I kind of feel about it. But either way, Toronto is going to be fine with or without him is, is my stance on it. All right, let's hit the next game, uh, which is Columbus getting blown out of the water by Monterey, 3-0. Josh, I assume you caught this game. Drew, I don't know if you did. What did you guys think about the Columbus-Monterey match? I did not see this because I was busy playing soccer and scoring goals unlike Columbus. Um, However, on my way to play soccer with my roommate, I told him, I was like, you know, it's kind of a rite of passage to get smacked 3-0 down in Mexico. So that's probably what's going to happen to Columbus tonight. And sure enough, he and I finished playing I checked my phone. I was like, hey, guess what the score is? <laughs> Three nothing Monterey. So congrats to Columbus crew. You are officially a member of the CONCACAF Champions League, even though now you are no longer a member of this year's tournament. Uh, yeah, I mean, without Lucas Elorion, they never really stood much of a chance to begin with. And it's just different playing down in Monterey, as Atlanta United fans know all too well. And that's also at altitude. So I don't know what we could have expected out of Columbus, at least from my perspective. Drew, you got any thoughts on the uh, rite of passage for Columbus crew? Yeah, that's funny. I wish I thought of that. That's good. Everyone gets beat 3 nothing in Mexico. But honestly, I was expecting... I had no that last second equalizer for Monterey in the first leg. kind of put my hopes down a little bit. But I was expecting more from Columbus. I think we were hyping up Columbus. But that was Elrion with that yellow in the first leg. That's obviously not the same Columbus team. Without him, obviously, we know how good he is. But I wasn't expecting a win by any means, but 3-0 seemed a little worse than I think I was expecting, at least because Columbus is this juggernaut, might be the best team in the league. Um, But yeah, I didn't get to catch the game at all, but seeing 3-0 was a little bit of a shocker because I expected more from Columbus. Connor, what do you think about Columbus getting smacked in Mexico? Well, it's obviously not a good thing. I think that's pretty clear. Um, But again, I don't know how much we can expect from a team who's missing their far and away best player, which is the same thing we said with TFC, who are missing Pozuelo. So, you know, while losing to Monterey sucks, 
in the long run, it'll probably be beneficial for Columbus, and this will probably just mean they repeat again as MLS Cup champions because they won't have to deal with the Champions League matches later in the year when the schedule is going to be already compact. So, well, it's, again, bad in the short term. It's probably better in the long run. So we'll see whether or not they get there again for next Champions League, but they're a good team either way, and I don't think you can really take much away from this result. I do want to know, uh, with our final game, though, Portland lost to Club America 3-1, to one, uh, 4-2 to two on aggregate. What do you guys think about this match from Portland, if either of you saw it? Yeah, I, I hate myself, so I did watch this game. <laughs> I, I full well knew like what was going to happen, and I subjected myself to the pain anyway. Fun, funny thing, actually. So this game was actually kind of wild. Uh, Portland never really stood a chance, to be honest. But they went up one nothing. And then just as Portland was starting to create chances and put some pressure on Club America, America won a really soft penalty, like just embarrassingly bad. They went to VAR, did not overrule it, so they ended up scoring, right? And so they went up 2-0. And then like not even five minutes later, Portland won an even softer penalty, like egregiously horrible call. It was, I encourage you guys to go check that out if you can. The America defender, I think, hit the ball at the same time as Felipe Mora from Portland, and that called a penalty. I don't even think he touched Felipe Mora. And so Portland scored, and so it was like, oh my God, all of a sudden they're back in this thing. They're only down 2-1. They need one more away goal, and then they win. And then America scored like 10 minutes later. Um, And when that happened, when they went up 3-1, I tweeted out, uh, CCL is pain, always has been. And... One of my friends tweeted at me. He's like, Carnival Cruise Lines? <laughs> not a not a soccer fan, like, whatsoever. Out, like, kind of follows Atlanta United, but not really at all. Um, and he actually worked for Carnival before the pandemic. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, man, I wish I was that, like, blind to the stupid CONCACAF Champions League <laughs> instead of forcing myself to stay up until midnight watching the Portland Timbers get, you know, CONCACAF down in Estadio Azteca. So I put it on all the games pretty much, but come on, what did, what did we expect from this? It's really... Drew, you got anything to add to this game? Not really. I didn't get to catch it, but yeah, CONCACAF Champions League's the worst. We had high hopes. We still have high hopes for Philadelphia, and Josh has expressed his high hopes. But Portland, maybe I thought... I thought I was pretty confident heading in this game because Portland got that last second equalizer on a penalty in Providence Park. So maybe a little flip side where Monterey got that last second equalizer and then smacked Columbus. Maybe I thought Portland was going to do the same to Club America. And we've talked about Club America is not the usual Club America of old. They've lost MLS teams a lot, but that wasn't the case at all as Club America won 3-1 on aggregate. If... We're done talking about the terrible, horrendous, heartbreaking show that is CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, We're going to take a quick ad break, and we'll be right back talking some MLS games as we have a little more positive notes, because MLS teams did win this weekend. It wasn't a (laughs) CONCACAF Champions League, but we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back talking about some Major League Soccer action. And we are back to finish off our discussion on 
MLS and finish off with some MLS games uh, before we do our player of the week, goal of the week, and fantasy update. But let's start off with, I don't know why we're talking about this game at all because it's two pretty terrible teams, but New York Red Bull against Chicago. What are they at this point? Are they fire? What are they? Chicago something? It's still Chicago fire, Connor. Still Chicago fire? Didn't they change that up? They changed they're trying to get new rebranding again. Yeah. Yes, they they went from Chicago Fire SC to Chicago Fire FC. Oh god, they that their whole thing. That's all. That, that's all. Oh, it was. Okay. Great. So. Okay, so I'll, I guess I have to defend myself here since you're wondering why this is in the dock. It's because we talked about New York Red Bulls extensively last week, and we talked about managing their expectations and how they're off to a horrible start. Well, guess what? They won. They played great. And I think all that proves is that Chicago is freaking terrible because they barely managed to draw against New England in the first week. They got smacked by what has so far been an average Atlanta United team. And then here they are getting beat by a bunch of kids. So I was asking, you know, what should the expectations be for Chicago? We talked about Yap Stam being on the hot seat last week. Do you guys think maybe it's time for Rafa Wiki to start being on the hot seat a little bit? I've never even heard of that guy before in my life. I've never even heard of his name. I the most hipster podcast, baby. The that most hipster dress manager in the league. <laughs> yeah. Um, Don't even know one of the managers in the league. Fantastic, Connor. Hey. Look. You're much more qualified to be answering this. Yeah, totally. Qualified. I mean, Drew, Drew, I meant to say Drew, not you, Connor. Get out of here. Drew, you're much more qualified to be answering this. Is he on the hot seat? That is a great question. If I remember, my multiplex analysis tells me last the MLS's back tournament, was that his first season in Chicago? I know he hasn't been in Chicago very long. Yes. So he came in in a really weird time as a really bad team, and it's showing that he has a really bad team. Should he be on the hot seat? I think... The only good thing going on in Chicago is Barrage, right? He's phenomenal. Everything else is just not that great. And when the only good thing about your team is a striker, not really good because who's going to give him the goals? But, you know, when you think about Chicago, I don't remember ever talking about them with transfer signings. I don't remember ever hearing them linked with a playmaker or just anyone at all because I don't know where they finished last season, but I know it wasn't good. You know, they currently sit in 13th. Wow, this is funny. They currently sit in 13th ahead of Cincinnati and right behind Philadelphia, Toronto, and Columbus. So okay, this Toronto's season, only oh my played gosh. two games. Toronto's only played two games. Chicago is right behind Philadelphia. Why is he on the hot seat? Give him a contract extension. No. I, um. don't, don't, don't count the CCL teams. We all know that they're... Um, but on the also, hot seat... Also, we should mention, they sold their best player this offseason, too. Oh, Georgie Mihaljevic? Yes. Uh, best player? One of their best players. How's that? I mean, that's the, the fact that that's their only off-season news is that they're losing one of their best players, I think, is just... I mean, that's a front office issue, I think. That's probably... The manager probably has a say in that. I don't know what the front office of an MLS team is like. But I... I think so. I think he's on the hot seat because really bad team Chicago... I don't, I, this is showing you how young I am. I don't remember the fire ever being that good in MLS. I know you go back to history before 
I was born probably and before Atlanta United, they were good. But I just don't remember Chicago ever being that good. And this offseason, I'm not seeing anything that's showing that they want to try to improve. Like Josh said, you got beat by a bunch of kids. You got smacked by Elaine United. It was a really fun game to watch from an Elaine United perspective. It convinced me that Elaine United was good. Um, and then you drew into England in the first game of the season. Um, yeah, I think he's on the hot seat because I'm not seeing anything that is showing that anything's changing anytime soon and it just gets harder. Well, maybe it doesn't get harder because they play the team that is right above them in the standings, a clash at the bottom of the table between the Chicago <laughs> Fire and the Philadelphia <laughs> Union coming Saturday. So It's going to be a barn burner. <laughs> maybe, maybe Chicago has its chance to pick up against this scrub Philadelphia team. But I, I'm going to go with he's on the hot seat. Josh, what do you think about it? Should he be a little worried? Should, should, should Chicago fans be thinking about getting rid of the manager because he hasn't been there very long and last season i personally think it's really hard to take last season seriously because it was a crapshoot and a new manager it's wild but do you think he should be on the hot seat right now given their struggles as of late you know in a sense sure if, if we're all pretty much going to agree that yep stom is on the hot seat then maybe in a sense wiki should be on the hot seat as well but Personally, I'm I'm a wait-and-see approach guy when it comes to managers. It's just how I am with everyone. For example, Mikel Arteta, people are asking for him to get fired after not making it to the Europa League final today, and he's only been there a year and a half, and personally, I think he should get another year. I was... I wouldn't say I was a staunch supporter of Frank DeBoer and giving him time, but I was definitely not calling for his job after the first week against Cincinnati in 2019 when... So many people were already upset with DeBoer, even though those people were right. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I, I'm a little more high on Chicago, I think, than you guys are, than I think most people are in general. But these first three weeks are freaking me out a little bit because they had some good underlying numbers last year. And I felt like if they could just tidy up some of their stuff in defense, you know, they would be good and they could maybe make a run towards the playoffs. But. Man, I was watching this game, and boy, their body language in the back, like in the, the defensive side of things, was just not pretty. And if they don't at least get a result against Philadelphia this weekend, then yeah, I think it might be time to start saying, you know, has has Wiki lost his players? You know, are they all on the same page together? So I, I will say this, maybe he shouldn't be on the hot seat right now, but... Things could go south in the next couple of weeks, like really fast. I would say yes, but I don't think he will be fired because Chicago have shown a consistency to underperformance and being terrible. Period. End of sentence. They haven't been good for years. They weren't good when they had Bastian Schweinsteiger playing as a central defender. Because they were good one year. One year. <laughs> what did they do? Barely make the playoffs? Yes, they barely made the playoffs. They had a home game. A home game. Ah. <laughs> ah. Hey, that was back when six teams made the playoffs, and it actually meant something. <laughs> Great. Conga- congratulations. Um, they did bring in that 17-year-old. I was just looking at the roster. Jean Duran. It's a good move. Positive sign but from them. He's not joining them until next year. 
still, it's a positive sign that they're bringing players in of that kind of caliber, even if they're going to suck this season, which if there's going to be a season to suck, it's this one. Because cramped schedule, so much can go wrong. I understand it from that perspective. I don't think... They're a terrible team, period. Let's just get that out of the way. They're a terrible team. They have some name players on it, not big name by any means, but look, there's not really much to be that excited about with this team, and I don't think changing the manager is going to fix them. I think there needs to be more deeper roster up top front office moves if the club really wants to fix itself. Um, because they just haven't developed the team that they ha- should and the team that they have to to compete in MLS. But we should move on to the RSL-SKC match. RSL somehow miraculously isn't as bad as we thought they were, at least for the first three games or two games of the season. B to SKC 3-1. Is, should we start taking RSL seriously or is this too early to do? And... How much do you think does them not playing the first week of the season play into their success up until this point? I think we, I am full on the RSL bandwagon right now. I think we need to take them more seriously than we did before, given the fact that I think we all had them last or either next to last in the Western Conference. So not a whole lot else to go except up from this point. Right, so I think we should be taking them a little more seriously. Whether or not they keep this up, I don't think so. Um, where they fall in the standings, I have no idea. But I think I'm pretty safe in saying and confident in saying they won't be one of the last two teams in the Western Conference. Um, and I think when you look at the stats against their win of SKC, it wasn't a just a random fluke that they happened to score three goals and win 3-1, to one, right? You look at the... I think expected goals, RSL severely outplayed Sporting Kansas City. They had more chances created. They outshot SKC. They had more possession than SKC. And, yeah, I mean, they just dominated the game. And I thought RSL is proving a lot of people wrong. They probably were kind of annoyed at the disrespect they were getting sitting there in the first week not playing a game. And no one really even recognized they didn't play a game. But I'm, I'm full on the bandwagon. I thought them playing, beating SKC and then beating Minnesota United were two teams I'm pretty high on. We'll talk more about Minnesota United in a minute, but SKC, people are high on them coming out of the Western Conference. But yeah, I'm full on the RSL bandwagon. That game wasn't a fluke. They beat them straight up, being 3-1, smacked them. Um, So I'm excited about it. I don't know how much higher I would put them from the last two teams in the West, but I definitely think we need to take them seriously. Josh, what do you think about RSL's strong start to the season? How are neither of you going to mention their new tradition? Kicking the we ball into the stands? The the fact, I didn't know that it was thing. team signed. That's phenomenal. Team signed That's ball. The That's thing. phenomenal. They're, they're making this a thing. David Ochoa kicked a team signed soccer ball into the supporter section for a fan to grab. Like that is, is RSL cool now? <laughs> it's kind of what it seems like. <laughs> Here we are. We're talking about them getting, you know, Bobby Wood and Jonathan Menendez and kicking team signed balls into the audience. I mean, listen, if I was a supporter section in the supporter section, I mean, I would be fired up 
for the end of the game. I'd be like, give me that ball. Um, but yeah, no, great win over Sporting Kansas City. Really cool for Rubio Rubin, who was expected, like years ago, was expected to be um, one of the important U.S. men's soccer players down the road. And he kind of, you know, fell off the scene. He played for Landon Donovan with San Diego Loyal last season. Kind of got some confidence back. And maybe he needed a coach like Donovan, someone who, you know, has excelled in MLS and on the national team stage. You know, maybe he needed someone like that to to inject some confidence into him. But, hey, scoring a brace against Sporting Kansas City, big deal. I believe he had an assist or two in their first win over Minnesota. So he's off to a hot start. So, yeah, I think Drew's right. I think RSL are cool now. And, and I am that much more excited to watch them play San Jose on Friday night at 9.30 p.m. It's going to be MLS after dark. It's going to be San Jose game, which is never dull. And then it's going to feature what is so far a good Real Salt Lake team, so pretty pretty cool for them. You know, like Drew said, I don't know how good they're going to be in the long run, but definitely entertaining for now. Connor, do you have anything to add to that game? I do not. I love that tradition. Uh, reminds me of the, I don't know if you're familiar with what the Hur- uh, Carolina Hurricanes do, where after the game they, yes, they do Bunch the of jerks. They Viking clap. School chant, yes. Uh, and then they, they'll sometimes do other little random things Obviously, they're fans, which there haven't been, so they haven't done it this season. But they did like a fake basketball game with actual basketball net they brought onto the ice. Uh, they'll s- usually skate from one end to the other and jump into the boards, like fun stuff like that. And I hope that turns into a tradition for RSL because uh, kicking the ball into the stands, that's amazing. Although they can only do it when they win because... You can't do that when you lose or draw. You have to win, which means I don't know how much it's going to happen for the rest of this season. But We'll find out tomorrow night. Yeah, we will find out against San Jose where they will either murder San Jose or get murdered by San Jose because there's absolutely no in between. <laughs> Let's dive into the next game. I'm sure you guys have your thoughts, especially you, Josh. The team that you underrated the most... The team who subtweeted you be- very deservedly. <laughs> there's now a framed tweet in Drew's room. New England, who were with, I guess, what are they, your second favorite team or third favorite team at this point? I have no idea. What Fourth favorite team, because Nashville is now number one. Um <laughs> Gather a Vancouver in there. Apparently Some, RSL yeah. now. I hate this league so much. God, this sucks. <laughs> By the end of the year, you're going to have to have the league. <laughs> New England beat Atlanta 2-1. to one. Are you guys worried about this result? Are New England for real or are Atlanta frauds? I will say Atlanta had no business being in this game. They just they got that penalty. Uh, the penalty call for New England, which helped them go up 2-1, was horrendous. That was a foul outside the box. Then they VAR'd it inside. Yeah, no, it was in the box, which it wasn't. Um, so that was kind of disappointing. But New England deserved to win, so it's good that they won. I'll say that. Also, not really worried for Atlanta. Like I said, the team is still trying to figure things out under Heinze. Joseph's still trying to get back to being Joseph. Um, they, bo- they had to finish 
the last 15 minutes of the game down a man because they'd already used all their subs and Barco got hurt. Um, and sadly, that's when they looked the most dangerous. That was really disappointing. Um, <laughs> Maybe that's a secret. They have to go down a man because isn't that what happened in the first game of the Champions League? I hate that you're kind of right about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not super worried. Heinze also really rotated the team. He started Miles Robinson on the bench, Joseph on the bench, Barco on the bench, um, someone else I'm thinking of who's really important but can't name right off the top of my head. Oh, Bello. Bello started on the bench as well. So it was just a rotated squad, really no big deal. Um, congrats to New England. First ever time they've beaten Atlanta, ever. So props to them. Drew, some of your favorite teams, since there's a lot of those now, <laughs> going up against each other. What you, would you make of this game? Yeah, I think I thought I was a lot more pessimistic about Atlanta following that game. But then I remembered rotated squad, a lot of players just done. I mean, Santiago Sosa got absolutely demolished by Curly Seal. I was like, oh, crap, he's not that good. We busted. Then I remember he's 21 years old. He's been playing 90 minutes three times in a week. You know, it's CONCACAF Champions League and MLS and having to do it again. So he just looked like a tired kid at that point. He was still pretty good, but that team just looked tired and done. And you can't blame him. Um, You're right about the penalty call, but I think you're also right that New England deserved to win that game. So 2-1 isn't the weirdest result. I thought it was pretty justified. Um, I'm not, I'm not worried about Elena, um, rotated squad, new manager players, just done tired, getting back to fitness. I think new England though. I mean, they look really good. Carlos seal was a freaking baller. He tore it up. Um, I think he got some recognition on tw- on my Twitter cause I love the new England revolution. Now I keep seeing their tweets all over my timeline. Um, a lot of love for him. So that was pretty exciting. I think he's a phenomenal player. Um, but I'm not worried about Atlanta. I think they went on the road and played a really good Eastern Conference team that has a shot to get out of the East. Um, and yeah, I mean, they went on the road and lost to a good team with a really rotated squad, not a really good recipe to win. And credit to England. I think they are atop the Eastern Conference right now because everyone else that we thought was going to be good is not good, but that's because CONCACAF Champions League and there's a long way away but I'm not worried about Atlanta and I think New England they're a good team um and that is why everyone was so high on the New England revolution this year um so yeah I'm excited about that um a team that I was kind of high on I think some people were not working out too good they have a cool post-game tradition they sing Wonderwall after they win at home but they haven't done that this year because they haven't done anything (laughs) they haven't won they haven't drawn Minnesota United it's kind of terrible right now. Zero, only team in the league with zero points this season. They lost to Austin FC in Minnesota. So it was a perfect recipe to sing Wonderwall with the loons. I think they have fan, They definitely have fans in the stands because someone got roasted because they got hit with a ball in the shot. And they were like, oh, no, it's not safe. David Ochoa now. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Um Boston FC beating Minnesota United 1-0. I think that was Austin's second win in a row after going to Colorado on the road, going to Colorado, winning, going to Minnesota and winning. But we're going to focus more on the Loons and Adrian Heath. Maybe he's building up the underdog story he's just waiting to explode on. I don't think so. I think Minnesota is legitimately just not that good right now. 
But Connor, after Minnesota losing again to an expansion team at home, no points in the league, are you pushing the panic button on the loons yet? I'm not going to do it yet, but we're getting there. Obviously, they still have to integrate uh, Abila, I believe, uh, from Argentina, who's he's going to be a big player for them. Uh, I don't believe Renan Ludd played uh, against Austin. I believe he was unused, so that's a very good player, just not being used, period. Um, so while I think it is understandable that they aren't doing incredibly well, they should still be beating teams like Austin and Colorado and you know they should be a good team but they've struggled off the hop um so this is going to be something they need to figure out I'm sure not having a Kapara is a huge blow to them because obviously one of the best defenders in MLS if not the best defender in MLS and they're without him so automatically a tough blow for them but yeah I, I think you need to give them a little bit more time but we should definitely be getting there in terms of worrying about whether or not they can do what they did last season, which they most likely can't, but they're still a good team nonetheless. Josh, what do you think about Minnesota? I think it is time to start hitting the panic button. I, I No points. They're literally the only team in MLS with zero points. I mean, even Cincinnati, which has just been like like below garbage, in MLS in the last two years has at least a point. So I do think there needs to be a little bit of panic for them, especially if they can't get a result against Colorado this weekend. I'm not saying they should beat Colorado because Colorado, they're not scrubs or anything like that. They're going to be a tough team to beat. But if you're a Minnesota fan, I mean, I think you should start getting a little worried because, yeah, you have added all these pieces. And, yes, I think you bring up a valid point, Connor, in saying that they still need to get integrated and there's definitely still some chemistry that needs to be built. But they just don't look anything like the team they were in the playoffs last year or even in the stretch run leading up to the playoffs last year. So interesting times in Minnesota, I'll say. I do want to point out, I mean, props to Austin FC for getting back-to-back road wins. They, they're in that, you know expansion team new stadium season where they have to play their first like seven games on the road so the fact that they've already won two of those is super impressive and they're already doing much better than a lot of teams in mls including minnesota who literally made it to the western conference final last year and were eh, seven minutes and one really poor defensive set piece away from going to mls cup so I'm I'm personally a little concerned about Minnesota, and I think if they don't start getting at least a draw against Colorado and they've got Vancouver and um, Dallas coming up, if they don't at least get a win in these next three games, then they should, there should definitely be some concern for Minnesota. Yeah, tough stretch for Minnesota. I do want to point out they signed a designated player striker from France, I believe. I'm trying to find his name right now, but it was like a pretty— Adrian Hanau? Who know? I don't know how to pronounce his last name, if I'm being honest. Yes, they signed him. That was official. So the story was posted on MLSsoccer.com April 23rd, and I assume he's not been with the team yet. So like we mentioned, Minnesota is bringing in some pieces, but at the same time, if you're not beating Austin at home, it's it's hard to imagine what you're going to do next. Like you mentioned, Josh, they're playing Vancouver 
um, which Vancouver hasn't been too much of a slouch either. Aside of a Diego Rubio banger, they hung with Colorado. So we'll see how that goes. Um, sticking in the Northwest, we had Connor's game of the week last week. I think we had the Seattle Sounders playing the LA Galaxy at, in Seattle. I think, yeah, because the Sounders busted out the Jimi Hendrix kids, man. That was sick. I was watching my friend who doesn't watch MLS, and he was like, wait a second, why is their color lime green and they're wearing purple? I was like, oh, God, welcome to soccer, man. This is how it works. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Seattle at home beat the Galaxy 3-0. This is an interesting one. This is an interesting game, I think. The Galaxy are just an interesting team, a weird team right now. I think the whole storyline of this game was, is the Chicharito train going to continue to move? It didn't move in the fact that he scored a goal. So my question is to you two, is this the Galaxy? What, what are you taking away from this result? Are you taking away Seattle is the Seattle of old that we're used to? Or is this the gal? Are these the results that we're going to start seeing more and more consistently from the Galaxy? Because last week we seemed pretty animate that this isn't sustainable. They're letting up two goals a game. They let up three goals this time, but they don't have the Chicharito magic to bail them out. What are you guys taking away from Seattle beating the Galaxy 3 0? I think that the Galaxy are, you know, they're going to be a lot better this year. I don't think they're going to be one of the worst teams in the West like they have been the last two or three years. They did make the playoffs two years ago, so maybe you can't say it about that season. But I think this was a good test for the Galaxy to show us as fans and as neutrals that this is still a a team that's a work in progress, still a team that Vanny has to work on. And that was painfully obvious against Seattle. Meanwhile, Seattle Sounders are a team that have basically reinvented themselves under this new formation. But you can tell that these are players that have played with each other for years. They're in a winning culture. They're playing for a coach that they love and is fantastic fantastic at managing this team. And that's how you get a 3 nothing beatdown up in Seattle. Um, the Galaxy did not look terrible. I, I, I was able to watch this whole game and... I didn't think the Galaxy looked terrible at any point. It just felt like... it. This is kind of what it felt like to me. Seattle comfortably controlled the game, and then they spent about 7 or 10 minutes saying, okay, we're going to score right now. And then they did. They scored twice, went up 2-0, cruised the rest of the game, and then they scored that last goal like towards the end on like a counterattack, kind of like, oh, hey, we have the ball in midfield, and we're outnumbering the Galaxy 3-2 right now. We might as well go score. And they did. So... I think, yeah, this is just a good test for where the Galaxy are at. They're clearly a work in progress, and it's good that they got those early results and those early wins and that Chicharito has kind of found himself again, and I think that will pay off for them in the long run. But, yeah, this just proves that they still have a ways to go in in evolving as a team, especially under Vanny. Um, Connor, any thoughts on this game? And uh, especially, I mean, someone who's watched Vanny for many years, I... I assume you know how it was when he first took over. You know how was it for Toronto when he finally got a hold of the reins? And are we going to see something similar with with the Galaxy? When he first took over, it was still a very big transition year. I don't think they even brought in all of the players that everybody would know at that point. But he plays one style, and that's it. He plays possession based soccer. That is it. Period. He doesn't do anything else, and 
coming into this season, we knew that the goal scoring wouldn't be a massive issue because they have a lot of quality in the attack. The massive issue would be keeping the goals out of the net. And they haven't done that up until this point, which I think is going to be their downfall because as we saw this week, Chicharito or whoever it may be on LA Galaxy, they aren't good enough to bail them out every every week, period, because they need to be bailed out every single week, period. Um, so I think this is just a sign of things to come for the Galaxy. They're going to get outscored a lot, and they're going to lose a lot of games for that. But they're going to be very entertaining to watch because there are going to be so many goals. Um, on the Sounders front, this is what I said at the beginning beginning of the season. The Seattle Sounders are a very, very good team, and we're underrating them. Seattle have been doing this, too, without Nicholas Ladero starting. He's still coming off the bench. So they've beaten the Galaxy. Uh, I believe they played LAFC, and week one was... What's that? Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. I was saying they drew LAFC 1-1. Yeah, but they got results. I think it's fair to say, given the fact that they don't have Nicholas Ladero starting, who is arguably the best player in MLS. So the fact that they're getting results at that level of outplaying the LA Galaxy, who a lot of people regarded as a very good team, who probably are kind of overrated, the fact that they're getting these results, I think that's huge. And I think it's just a sign of things to come for the rest of the season period. Um, but again, we will see come the end of the year because the first half of this season, that's going to be the easy, easy part. The second part, second half is when it's going to get really, really difficult. So let's dive into our games of the week, our players of the week, goals of the week, all that fun stuff, because we've been going for over an hour and a half. Let's start off with our goal of the week. Let's start off with our goal of the week. Drew, I want you to go first. What was your goal of the week? I went with Caden Clark's weird scissor kick thing, and I still don't know how he did that, but it was awesome. He only scores bangers, and yeah, Caden Clark, you got my goal of the week. Josh, you got yours. Jackson Yule. Uh, San Jose, like you know, like we say all the time, their appointment viewing, I managed to stay up on Saturday night to, to see most of that, and he... It was crazy. I, it, I can't remember if it was a corner or just a cross, but it didn't even touch the ground. And he just sized that thing up, swiveled his hips, and like the ball like was barely moving. Like there was like no spin on the ball. And uh, I saw some people saying that um, I think Chris Seitz is is the DC goalkeeper right now because he needs out. But whoever the backup keeper is, some people were saying, oh, you know, he should have done a better job. But I don't know, man. That ball got hit like 100 miles an hour. I feel like if he put his hands out, he would have lost both his hands. So just a, a rocket from Jackson Newell. Connor, what about your goal of the week, which you definitely did not wait until 15 minutes ago to pick? Okay. Yes, I picked it 15 minutes ago. But it's probably the one I would have gone with either way because I did see it and it was a banger, which was Diego Rubio's free kick against the Vancouver Whitecaps. Picture perfect, Giovinco-esque, uh, the way he curled it over the wall. Top corner, nothing the keeper could do about it. I assume it was Crapo. Um, so, just a 
banger of a free kick and hopefully a sign of things to come for Rubio and for Colorado and all of their season because I think they're better than we initially thought they were. But again, we'll see come season's end. Let's do our players of the week next. Uh, Josh, I'll start with you instead because your opinion actually matters on the players of the week because you have a vote. I am now seeing that Drew changed his, and so I'm sorry, Drew, if you feel like I stole yours from you. But I did vote for Rubio Rubin as uh, Player of the Week. I just felt like with RSL becoming, at the time, the second team to win both of their first two games of the season, currently the only team to win every game they've played so far, he's just he's played such a pivotal role. Getting a brace against Sporting Kansas City is, um, is impressive. Um, I did have Cade Cowell as my second choice because... Once again, a 17-year-old scored a goal and had two fantastic assists. I cannot believe how fast he goes. It blows my mind. I truly believe that he only has one speed right now, and it's just zoom, zooming down the field. Uh, hard for anybody to stop that. Connor, who is your player of the week? My player of the week was the two-goal man from the Seattle Sanders who've been carrying a pretty heavy load this season with Nicholas Ladero still not healthy. Raul Rui Diaz. Unbelievable striker. Even though they may not be the highlight real goals that we're expecting, he's still putting them home for uh, Seattle and really helping them make a really good push to start the season. So I went with Raul Rui Diaz. Drew, who did you go with? I went with none other than Carly's heel after he... Cook, the Atlanta United defeat defense after Josh called him a fish earlier in the month. <laughs> Gil is a fish, okay? He's a very prominent character in Finding Nemo, and we should all respect that. Yes, and he's really good at soccer, apparently, too. Uh, I thought he played really good. Um, yeah, he got a goal and an assist. Yeah, he converted the penalty and got the assist against Atlanta United. Almost came really close to getting an assist off a set piece. I think he sent in a ball and did... The shot hit the crossbar. I don't remember who headed it, but Carly Seal played really good against Atlanta. So he gets my nod for player of the week. Um, now we'll get into some games of the week, which I totally just changed last minute because I didn't realize we had this game. But before we do, Connor, what is your game of the week? My game of the week is the New York Red Bulls against Toronto FC because Chris Armas is making his return to a match against the New York Red Bulls facing his old employers. Uh, we will potentially see Jefferson Soteldo make his debut uh, for Toronto FC, which would be very exciting. Uh, we also might get a full match of Chris Mavinga, potentially, if he's healthy. What will happen with Josie Altador? There are so many interesting aspects to this match, um, specifically from the Toronto FC side of things. So I went with that. Josh, what did you go with? By the way, scenes when Red Bulls beat Toronto FC this weekend, by the way. Just saying. It's going to be going to be a fun one when, when that somehow happens. Um, no, I went with a really easy choice, El Trafico. Always appointment viewing. It's going to be on Big Fox on Saturday night. So I'm really excited for some hopefully casual slash non-MLS watchers to get a taste of the chaotic league we love so dearly. Um, side note is th is this weekend like kind of a rivalry weekend because Dallas and Houston are also playing um, 
I don't know if this really counts as a rivalry, but Vancouver and Montreal, uh, Miami and Atlanta are kind of from the same area. Drew's game of the week, which he'll tell us in a second, is a pretty major rivalry one. So uh, kind of interesting on that. I guess it, I know it's not an official rival, rivalry week, but it seems like a like a, a pseudo rivalry week. Drew, what about you? What is your game of the week? Yes, my game of the week, the greatest rivalry in Major League Soccer Cascadia, Portland, Seattle, Sunday. You're giving me a weird look. There's, there's a Classico. Oh, Classico. Come on. I'm talking, I'm talking about Major League Soccer. Oh, wait. I said Classico. I meant oh, El Trafico. You're, you're crazy. You're wild. Um, <laughs> that'll be an off-season episode. Yeah, but I went to Portland, Seattle on Sunday. It's it's time. We've been talking about Seattle. They've Portland's good. This is a chance, man. They beat the Galaxy, but the Galaxy, we know, aren't the best team in the league. I think Portland is up there. Granted, Portland's going to be coming off CCL and all that, but this is a chance for Seattle to say, hey, you guys, we're sleeping on us. Like, we're the Seattle of old, and we're going to do it against our rival. I don't know if it's in Portland or Seattle, Um, but those games are always awesome. I wish there were fans in the stands, but understandably not. One day, eventually, we'll get there, and we'll have a sold-out Providence Park doing all those cool chants and then everything going on. By the way, that game will be on ABC on Sunday, so that's really cool. And it's part of an ABC doubleheader because the Inter-Miami-Atlanta-United game is also going to be on ABC just before that at 1 o'clock. So I did not realize that was a thing. But that's pretty crazy. ABC is going to have back-to-back MLS games on Sunday, on Mother's Day, mind you. So get your Mother's Day fix in of soccer. Maybe your mom likes soccer. Maybe she doesn't. Either way. Some fun games for you. Sure, we'll go with that. Uh, let's wrap <laughs> us up with our weekly fantasy update, which if you haven't joined the Fantasy League, link is in the description of this podcast. Leading the lead, still uh, sort of running away with it at this point. Blender Daddy's Boys, <laughs> the greatest name in this league. Uh Henderson, shout out you. Uh, coming in second, we got the GOAT, Breck Shea, which is Nelson, uh, who I believe is former site head, uh, Nelson, so shout out him. And then in third, Peachy Swagger, M. I don't know who that is, uh, but a fellow Atlanta United fan, so shout out them. I am leading us, uh, us three, sitting in seventh uh, in the league, up from, a, I want to say like 10th last week, which is a big improvement. Oh, you two are kind of close. You are two are really bringing up the rear here. Um, Drew. Carlos Vela is my captain, and he has been since the first week. Well, you know you can't adjust your lineup, correct? I, I've tried logging back in, and I can't. Oh, God. You see what I have to deal with, people? You see what I have to deal with? Honestly, when you said fantasy update, I was about to be a jerk and say, we have a fantasy league. <laughs> <laughs> you're just, you're the worst. So, Drew, this is really disappointing given the fact that Josh hasn't logged in since week one. I'm I'm trying now. He's trying now. <laughs> Drew is sitting in 13th of 16, uh, although it's really 15 because one of the guys, one of our members didn't set his lineup. Uh, sitting at 13th, and Josh, you're sitting at 14th. Boys, you got to pick up, pick up your socks here because... I'm I'm carrying us, but I'm not carrying us very far. Like. I adjusted my lineup this afternoon. I think I tried to ride the Chicharito bandwagon as long as I could. I, I rode it a week too long, man. Well, if you haven't set your lineup, 
it's too late by the time you're listening to this. Uh, but yeah, keep getting involved with that. Link to the league in the description of the podcast. But without further ado, I do believe we are done this episode. Do either of you have anything you'd like to add? Keep watching soccer and playing fantasy soccer. All right, Drew. Take us out on your terrible audio AirPods. <laughs> Thanks, guys, so much. Yeah, I know my my Mac. Well, that's a whole spiel that we won't get into. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, we really appreciate it. And as always, please visit the website, MLSMultiplex.com, and visit the website on Twitter at MLSMultiplex to see a lot of awesome written content from our writers. You can find us on Twitter, myself at underscore Drew Hubbard, uh, Connor at CWG Somerville, and Josh at Josh underscore Bolin. So give us a follow on social media, visit the website, and again, please visit our Encosi Tafara podcast. Really awesome guy, really awesome stuff, great conversation. Uh, it's evergreen, it's never going to not be a good podcast to listen to, so go give that a listen, and... Be ready to tune in next week because we'll have a lot of soccer to talk about and we'll talk to you all next week. Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com.